Thank you all for your participation, ladies. I know it's uh, it's kind of hard and difficult to be, to come up here and uh, be on the spotlight every now and then. Um, but we have to do it. It's Mother's Day. It's your day. We have to honor you. All right? All right. So, again, if you have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off. <laughs> and... Uh, If you have a recording of the event earlier, <laughs> okay, please turn your Bibles to the book of Ruth. Uh, it is in the Old Testament, and there, if you have your Bible apps, please key in Ruth. I titled our message tonight, since it is Mother's Day, The Burden of Motherhood. Uh, we are taking a break from our series of Galatians, say all right, yeah, I know, sure. Stats show, according to Gab, that uh, whenever there's a series, people can't wait for the series break. So um, this is our series break. It's very timely as we observe Mother's Day. And we're going to be reading from the book of Ruth, and we're going to be focusing on, on the life of Naomi. But before we do that, we want I want to take us to... Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, it reads, Children, obey your parents because you belong, because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Uh, excuse me for a minute here. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother, the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your mother, your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. The charge of the commandment goes to us, the children. And we might not all be mothers here, but we are, we did all come from a mom. We all have a mom. And it didn't say there, honor your perfect mom, because not everybody's perfect. From time to time, everybody falls. But we are still charged commanded by God to honor them. Amen? So if we are charged, if we are commanded by the Lord to honor our father and mother, for tonight, our mothers, the question to us children is, is that what we're doing? Do we only do it when we feel like it? Do we only do it when we feel like they deserve it? So tonight we're going to be discussing the charge to the, the children at the same time, the urgency, the burden of proof to the mothers or the parents. Because I know there are, you know, times are, are different nowadays because there are, are single moms out there that are raising their children. There are, are, are homes with, with single dads raising their children. So as we talk about mother, if you are a single parent, you can consider yourself being charged with that. So our first point tonight is the responsibility of a mother. In Psalm 127.3, it reads, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. So if it's a reward from the Lord, shouldn't we be taking care of it? Somebody say amen. That's the truth, right? That's the truth. Everything that we have is from the Lord. The question always is, are we taking care of it? Are we taking care of our spouse, how God tells us to do it? Wives, are we submitting to our husbands? Husbands, are we loving to our spouse, to our wives? Children, are we obeying our parents? Parents, are we loving our children? 
because they are a reward from him. There's a lot of truth in that, that verse right there. And everybody's involved in a family. Whether we like it or not, we belong to a family. The question always is, are we responding according to God's will to whatever our role is in that family? And that's where the difficulty is. The family structure in the whole world has been failing. There's no more, the moms want to take charge. And the, the second that the dad, the father lets the woman take charge for many years. And then the mom gets tired of being in charge. And then accuses of her husband being a pushover. A father who's not loving to a wife. right? And, and then the wife finally gets the, the love or attention from another, a third party. The family crumbles because the, the husband chooses not to be loving. There's so many things that falls in the family. And then the result of it is the children. The children that are seeing this and experiencing this, seeing their, their, their foundation. Parents are, are little gods to children. We are little gods to our children. And then we forget. We forget. We forget to, that, that we are responsible for them. And we do these things. Just like I forgot to pray today before I started. So pray, pray for me as I continue this, okay? I, want, I have in my notes here to discuss abortion. So I don't know what your political stand is, but if you are a believer, it doesn't really matter what political party you belong to. Do we agree? You belong to God. And then if you say you belong to God, the, the word of God is your lawgiver right here. This is your lawgiver. This is the one that determines your truth and your false. This is the one. This is your moral compass right here. So in regards to abortion, if the ch children, there's no accidental children. There are many accidental parents. Do we agree? <laughs> yeah, there are many accidental parents, but never an accidental child. So you can't correct a mistake with another mistake. So as a believer, we stand against abortion. And I have here discuss about adoption. Some, some of you are probably still wanting to have a child, but you can't. God has not given you that, that, that privilege and honor to have a child. But there are a lot of children out there that are waiting to be adopted. There's so many children out there that are waiting for a love from a love from a person that's been wanting for that prayer to be answered. So that's really open for you as well. I think it's a very Christian thing to do, to adopt a child. And then here, we have to discuss about faith. We see faithfulness here. I see faithfulness here as well. Because if we have to, because the fruit of the Spirit for a believer is faithfulness, correct? And if we are to be faithful to God's gift to us, his reward to us, to our children. We need to be responsible and faithful to that child or to that husband or to that wife or to that family that we belong to. Because it is a reward. It is a gift from God. So many of these things we're going to be discussing tonight. Next slide. <laughs> Proverbs 1 to 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. 
Now, this is not just for sons, obviously. This is also for daughters. In Leviticus, it says, Each of you must respect your mother and father. Now, I get it. You know, I'm standing here, and I know my mom's here, and I know from my experience with her, and our relationship was never really a biblical example. <laughs> it was the biblical bad example. I was not very honoring to my parents, and I've shared this many times. I will share it again. That I wasn't the most, I wasn't even close to being an obedient child. But hence, the, the, the consequences that followed with my life. But here, we cannot deny the truth that is written down in the Word of God. Us children, we need to understand the importance of the wisdom that comes from our, from our parents. But at the same time, parents, you need to understand the responsibility that is bestowed upon you. Do you see the risk there, parents? Do you see the risk that is up there for you? The children will listen to whatever you tell them. They are compelled. We are compelled by the, the word of God to obey you. Now, the question is, are you giving us instructions that is according to God's will? Now, is your heart and your mind connected to God in order for you to be able to tell us, tell your child, tell your children to follow God? Their decisions that, 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 that is in line for their lives. They're, they're, they're in so much pressure. Children these days are in so much pressure because of, of the world now. It's so much easier now to see that another person is doing well with their life and it's, it's all over your face because it's all over Facebook. It's all over Instagram. It's all over Snapchat. It's whatever they see. And people always post the good things. Very rarely people post the bad things on what go, what's going on with their lives. So here you are looking at this and you're feeling envious. You're an 18-year-old child and you're feeling envious. And then you come to your father and mother for advice. And what do they tell you? Do better. You could do better. With no wisdom at all. Say, stating the obvious. No word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Because you yourself, you're lacking the connection with God. So do you see again the connection, the, the pressure here for you parents, for us parents. The need for us to be truly connected with God. Because we are responsible for them as they will have to listen to us. Now we will see two examples of parents that gave an advice, that used their power to their children, and we will see the result. One responded out of their sinful desire, or self, uh, fleshly desire, and one responded to how God has wanted them to respond. To. And that is the story of Rebecca to her son Jacob, is the negative one, just to cut the chase, and then uh, cut to the chase, and then the and then Naomi, and to her daughter-in-law Ruth. In Genesis twenty-seven eight to thirteen, it reads, "Now, my son, listen to me. This is Rebecca speaking to Jacob. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them." To prepare your fa father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. Because if you know the story, she overheard 
Isaac's plan to bless Esau. But her favorite son was Jacob. So now she's trying to do this. This is like a telesaria in TFC that you see, right? But look, Jacob replied to Rebecca, my brother Esau is a hairy man and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him. And then he'll curse me instead of blessing him. He's trying to get out of it. That's what I'm trying to see here. He tried to get out of it. He's trying to tell his mom, mom, this is trouble for me. But the mom said, then let the curse fall on me. Rebecca must be half Filipina. The curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the goats for me. That's how I'm hearing it. That's how I'm feeling. I'm feeling the pressure from the mom. Again, parents, you are little gods to your children. We see the intention of Rebecca here. I see the intention. There's, there's, there's really nothing wrong there. In the worldly perspective. But she chooses to obey her, her, her goals for her son. Her other son. Than to be truthful. She chose to be wrong with God. Again, to go against God. And her husband. Because of what she wants for her favorite son. Mothers, I'm speaking to all of you. We have to be watchful. On what we tell our children. Because of what we think is right. You're going to do this because I said so. I don't care if the Bible says otherwise. Let's look at the other one. Ruth 3, 1 to 6. Then Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, I must, I must find a suitable home for you, one that will be good for you. Now Boaz, whose young women you work with, is our is our close relative. Tonight he will be working at the threshing floor. Floor, Wash yourself. Put on perfume. Change your clothes. And go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you're there until he has finished his dinner. Watch him so you will know where he lies down to sleep. When he lies down, go and lift the cover off his feet and lie down. He will tell you what you should do. Then Ruth answered, I will do everything you say. We see an obedient, obedient daughter-in-law. Again, this is a daughter-in-law. If you know the story of Ruth and Naomi, Naomi actually tried to release Ruth from responsibility to her because Naomi lost her husband and then her two sons. And back in the days during their time, if you, have if you are a widow... Your next, your next best option is for your child to take care of you. Now, she lost that too. Now, her next option was to either sell herself as a slave or go into prostitution. But she chose to go back to her hometown, which is in Bethlehem. And she, she was willing, she released her, she was willing, she was releasing her da two daughters-in-law. One took the offer. The other, Ruth, said, I will go where you will go. Your God will be my God. You see the love between the two? That's not even blood right there. This is an example that you, sometimes blood, or, or not, not blood is better. But sometimes we, we think our blood is bond, right? Oh, that's my family. So forever he, he or she will be loyal to me. But not necessarily. 
There's so many, you guys, I'm pretty sure you have your own stories of betrayal in your own families. But here we see one here of somebody who's not related to another person, but the dedication of her love, Ruth's love to Naomi, is something else here. For Rebecca, in the other story, her love for her favorite son meant more than being right with the Lord. For Naomi, despite her desperation, she was still being a mom to Naomi, for to Ruth, by letting her go. Don't have the hardship that I'm going to have, basically. Just go, because I'm going to have a hard life. She was desperate. She was, she was already uh, um, stressed and, 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 and in despair. To a point, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore, because Naomi means my delight. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Because her life was bitter. She lost her husband. Now she lost her two sons. But Ruth stuck with her. Ruth's love for her mother-in-law just shows us. I've, I've been, as I was studying this, trying to see how I can put legs in this, this story for us today. Because I was, I was wondering, why did Ruth give so much love to Naomi? Well, she could have just gone back because she's a Moabite. She's not an Israelite. She's a Moabite. For her to go back to her, to her parents would have been a better life for her. But she took the risk. She said, no, I will stay with you. I will stay with you. She took that. You know why? I was thinking this. And, and my, my assumption is, is that Naomi loved her and accepted her from day one. Now, mother, the, the, for the mothers-in-law that are here <laughs> and the daughters-in-law that are here in this room, it would pay you a great deal if you will love your in-law, if you will treat them as your own and, and vice versa. I really don't have the in-law horror stories. I can't share with, with you guys. My, my mother-in-law is a great person. She really uh, accepted me as her own. And um, when, when Anna Lou and I, uh, whenever Anna Lou and I are getting into arguments, uh, most of the time she does take my side, <laughs> which I love her for that. <laughs> so I can't share with the, she, Anna Lou's giving me a dirty look right now. Please close, make sure the doors are locked there, Don. <laughs> but we have to see here, why did Ruth why did Ruth fall in love with Naomi the way she did? As if she was her own mom. It is because Naomi was loving to her. You won't see it there, but you'll see it in this, in this chapter now. She gave Ruth instructions to make sure that she secures herself a husband. And Ruth's obedience on what we said, children obey your parents. You see, the, if you know, if you can fast forward, if you know the story, it paid well for Ruth. Ruth being obedient to Naomi made her to be in line to where David, the successor, successor of David, and down to Jesus. Let's skip this. Let's go here. This is Ruth in chapter 1, verse 16, what I was telling you about. Before that, on verse 14, it says, And again they wept together. This is when Naomi was trying to say her goodbyes. And Orpah, 
or we could say Oprah nowadays, <laughs> kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. You see the unselfishness there? She didn't even try to keep her. But Ruth re replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Now there are times that you can disobey your parent. <laughs> this is what we're seeing here. Because Ruth disobeyed Naomi's request because Ruth wanted to take care of her mother-in-law. For us here, our, our country is one of the saddest countries in the world. You know why? Because we don't take care of our parents. I know the Filipino culture, we take pride in us taking care of our parents. We do. But then some of us, or many of us now, have converted. Let's just say. We've converted. One of the saddest places that I've visited, as much as I've been to funeral homes and in, in, in the hospital with people that are sick, one of the saddest places is the, the home care. Home care is one of the saddest places because you could see there, you will see there the old people missing their family and not even being visited by any of them. And they're just waiting. They're just waiting for a touch from you. They're waiting for their child, their son. They have, they're just missing their company. And in our country, I'm including myself there, that we need to revert back. We need to go back and say to our, go back to our Christian roots and go to the Word of God and honor our parents. Amen, Amen Pastor Charles. We need to do that. We need to go back to that. How many times have you called your parents this week? You're too busy? How about a text? Your fingers are too busy? But if I will look at your post, if we will go back to your Facebook post, how many activities you've gone through, you will see that you have time. Plenty, actually. Plenty of time. It's just we don't make them a priority anymore. A single hello will be good. Some people here have lost their loved ones, have lost their moms and fathers, and they would give their, their lives just another, how much money or whatever they could give just so they could have another minute with their parents. But some of us, we take them for granted, for most of us. And we see the love of Ruth going to her mother-in-law here. It's a, such a great love story here. Not between a mother and the father, but between a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law that have actually no more legal, legal responsibilities with each other. But it's just because out of their love for each other, they, they gave each other their lives. To our second point, we should all be seeking God's will. Now I'm putting this Matthew 6.33 here because of the responsibility that goes to the parents. Because we are saying 
And we are telling ourselves that we need to obey our parents. Children, we need to obey our parents. But parents, you need to be connected with God so you will know what to instruct to your children. Amen? But you have to seek His kingdom. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be given to you as well. Parents, the question is, mothers, are you seeking God's kingdom? Are you seeking His righteousness first? Or are you doing what the world is telling you to do? Are you raising your children as the, as the world tells you how to raise them? For a Filipino family, this is how we determine success. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I know I'm a successful parent if my child has finished college, did not get pregnant early if it's a girl, did not get anybody pregnant early if it's a boy, and they have a good career, and they're successful. Then I could say, I did my job as a parent. That's the Filipino culture. I'm pretty sure it's similar to the American culture. But that's not what God tells us necessarily, correct? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Mom, the mom out there, what if your son all of a sudden tells you, I want to be a missionary? What's your first response? No. Are you crazy? I did not pay all that money for college for you to be a pastor. Do you know how much no money they make? <laughs> they don't make plenty. I didn't bring you to that college so you could be a pastor. Are you crazy? Stop hanging out with Joe. <laughs> missionary? What are you talking about, missionary? You're going to go to Africa, you're going to get shot. Why don't you just be a successful businessman and you can donate to the missions? That'll be good. The missions need money. Just be, just do help God's kingdom through money. Don't do those crazy things. If we're gonna be honest, we've all said that and we all thought about that. Amen. Okay, just, just maybe me, me. But the but we have to always see this. If we say this to ourselves, because Jesus tells us this, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Why can't we say that to our children? And why can't we live it if we say it to our children? Why can't we live it instead of just saying it? So the second point really is we need to all be seeking God's will. Now, for some people, they're thinking, well, you know, if you're too much God and you're not connected with the world anymore, you're going to go hungry, Joe. Seriously? So we know better than Jesus because Jesus said this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For your treasure is there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. So what are you feeding your body? What are your eyes looking at all the time? Is it Facebook? You're like me, your phone? <laughs> or is it the Bible, the Word of God? Are you reading the Word of God so that there will be light in you? This is the Word right here. 
This is the light to the dark world. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Yeah, right. That's what they're thinking, right? No, I can do both. I can do both. I'll serve God when I can. I'll work more with my life. And I'll retire early so I can serve God when I'm still young and strong. And then we retire still young and strong and we say, I'm going to travel while I'm still young and strong. And then I'll serve God when I'm, I can barely remember my name. When is it really? When is it really enough? When is the time that we will serve God? As parents, what do we really communicate to our children other than being successful? Because all parents want to be wants their children successful. I get that. And we're telling the children, because you're, you're going to use this verse. When you go home tonight, if you have an unruly child, you're going to use this verse. Son, I told you. Pastor said, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents. Do you hear that? You want blessings in your life? Hmm? Listen, hmm? right? We use we were we're gonna use this verse, but but we're not using it to ourselves. We use it as a power trip. We verse bomb our children, but we don't read the verse for ourselves. We don't live it. We read it, but we don't live it up. So God knows our needs. All these things shall be added to you. God knows that. Shelter, clothing, food, all of that. But nobody's promised that you will be rich. And people will say, oh, I don't need to be rich. I just need enough. Sure. Because once you hit enough, you don't even know that it's enough. Because you're going to continue and continue. Because you forgot that you made a promise to God that, Lord, as soon as, I, as, soon as you give me a child... And a son, and a house, and a car, two cars, uh, or that promotion, that vacation, that suit, that boat. We're going to continue, right? There's, we never stop asking. We never stop wanting. We keep reasoning out. Well, because, Lord, you know, it's time. He's going to go to college now, Lord. So I need to, I need to work more. Or, Lord, because I need, I need, I need to go back to the Philippines for a month. So I need to work more. Right? We, there's, there's so many reasons that we come up with rather than really serving God with what He asks us. Is anybody being asked to, to, to die for someone else tonight? No. The, the, the thing that we were asked to do from the Lord without hearing Him audibly is that we honor Him by coming to church. Right? Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Right? We did that today. So how is that? Why is that? Why is that the number one thing that's so hard for Christians to do? Going to church. Why is that the hardest thing? You know, the, 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 the membership for many, all the churches all around the world has been declining. The attendance for many churches all, ar- all across the world has been declining. I shouldn't say all across the world, all across the nation. Because China is the fastest growing church in the world right now. Because they're being persecuted. There, if you're a Christian, you're going to die. 
And people that really love Christ, they don't, they don't care. I showed a video many years ago when, when the Chinese people received a package of Bibles. And you could see them crying and kissing their Bibles in tears. Some were wailing. Some of us, we have five, six Bibles at the house and we can barely read them. And we could care less. They're actually at the places we want God to bless. Once in our car, one is in our bedroom, one's in our child's bed. Right? Because we want God to bless those places, but we could care less of what's in it. Christians here, us now, we've taken God for granted because everything else has become about money. Everything else has become about money. Just look at your life. How much of your time this week have you given to the Lord and how much of your life have you given to money? Now, work is good. God has given you the work that God has given you. God has given you the strength to do the work that He has given you. And that's fine. But the question is, how about God? How much of your life have you given to God? And don't tell me you don't have time. Because obviously you do. You just choose to spend it somewhere else. Whew. What time is it? Mark 8.36 for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Mothers who have given their lives to Christ and have children who have not, and they have children that have not surrendered to Christ yet, their biggest prayer, their one of their biggest requests is for their children or child to surrender and accept Christ as their Lord. Amen? Because we all know as believers that it is the one most important thing in this life to gain. But the funny thing is this. Once our children have accepted Christ, we then revert their lives back to what? Gaining the whole world. Because now their soul is secured. So it's time for them to conquer the world. No more about God, because they did that already. Their life is secure. Now it's time for them to accomplish what they can accomplish in this world and make their mark in this world so that we can say, that's my son. You see him? He plays in the NBA. He looks like me too. You see him? That's my daughter. She's the best surgeon in the world. Everybody goes to her. Everybody asks her advice. That's my daughter. And there's nothing wrong with all of that. There is something wrong with that if you don't have the same drive and passion and desire for God, for them to live for God. Oh, where, where's your son now? Oh, she's a pastor. I don't know what he was thinking. I thought he was smart. <laughs> I guess he's not that smart. What does your son do? Oh, he's a music ministry leader. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That means there's no money there. I know. <laughs> right? Because our, the world standards, the Christians, we, we bought into the lie too. That the world standards must be our standards too. We're training our children to make it to the world and forgotten that we need to be seeking God first, His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Oh, but we preach a good, good message. We say, the right, we say the right sermons. 
We say it, especially when we're trying to control them. We're trying to control them. Oh, yeah, we got it. Oh, you know, you're being disobedient. God will deal with you. But how about you? How about your life? A lot more is being caught by them instead of you being taught, instead of things being taught to them. They can catch it. They can see the hypocrisy in your life. They can see the inconsistency with your life versus your words. They can see your Sunday mask, and they can see your life at the house. Right? There was this child that went to, for the first time he went to church, he was like seven years old. And then he got in the car, and then they start going home, and they start crying. Let's just call him Johnny. Johnny, he start crying. They're like, Johnny, what's wrong, Johnny? Oh, the, the, the youth pastor said that if we want to grow with God, we need to have a Christian home. And they're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? But I want to stay with you guys. Wank, wank, wank. Did you get it? No? Okay. Just went there, huh? Gosh, my materials have been terrible lately. <laughs> I think it's in the delivery. All right. Going back to Ruth, and we're going to speed this up. In Ruth, obedience equals rewards. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, imagine that. They went to the mother-in-law. Praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. And the neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. We have to see. You can read it on your own time if you really don't know the story of it yet, but I know many of you that you've been a Bible buff for many years, and you know the story. Naomi did not force Ruth to either stay with her and take care of her. She didn't. You know, she didn't have this mindset, oh, I could use her for my own benefit. I could probably have her with me until I need her. You know, the old age that they said here, I was kind of offended when I was looking at the background, the biblical background of this, Old age around that time was around 40, middle, mid-40s. That's very offensive. <laughs> Mid-40s are considered old already. So Naomi was around her 40s, and she was not in the marrying stage anymore, marrying age anymore. Imagine that. She's no longer in the child-bearing age anymore. But Boaz, on the other hand, was around the mid-40s as well. In the 50s there. He was an older man compared to Ruth. But Ruth did not look for a strong and handsome young guy. Ruth followed Naomi's instruction and advice. Children, it will pay for us to obey our parents. Amen? Given the fact that they are God-fearing people. 
given the fact that they are obedient to God, given the fact that they are surrendered to God's will, even if it's not according to their will. We need to remember seeing this story is that it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter who gives us the advice. It matters if they are connected with God. But it pays for us children to obey our parents. And parents, we, we have to see the importance of us being connected with God. In Colossians 3.23 and 24, it reads, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving Christ. If you are going to obey your parents just because you want to obey your parents and you're not doing it because you want to obey God first, it will fail because your parents will fail you. Somebody say amen. They, doesn't, they don't always give us the right advice. They're not always connected with God. They're not always connected with God. But if we are to obey them because we are obeying God first, then God will take care of us. Amen? Amen. This is a story about Abraham Lincoln. Did you know that Abraham Lincoln said that all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother? Now, I, w I read about this and, and then I just found out that he actually had two moms. His real mom died when he was nine years old. Her name was Nancy Lincoln. She drank uh, uh Poison, it was poison. The milk was, was poisoned with snake uh, venom or something. <laughs> she drank it and she died and, and Abraham was depressed. His dad remarried to a girl named Sarah. So Sarah Lincoln became his stepmom. But she saw that Nancy, the mom, had trained Abraham very well that he never lied to her. Even if it was going to get him in trouble. To a point that he, she gave this testimony when he was campaigning for presidency. He said that, you know, Abraham Lincoln, that's why he's known as Honest Abe. So he, she vouched for him. She saw all the potential in Abraham Lincoln to a point that she encouraged him to read books. And nurtured him as if he was her own child. And that love grew to a point that Abraham Lincoln said that no one could love a mom here on earth as much as I have loved my mom, Sarah. He also returned that love. And that when it was his turn to take care of Sarah, his mom, Sarah, he bought her an acre of land and took care of her. And before he went to his campaign trail, he went to visit her and said her love, his love to her. But she was so concerned, she actually was really concerned for him. And four years later, he did die from an, that assassination. These relationships between mothers and, 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 and children are real. It doesn't matter if they're the same blood. But the point of, of our lesson tonight is that we know that we are not perfect. And so are our parents. But we also, but we have a perfect God that told us, that told us to obey and honor our parents.
And parents, we are told that our children are a reward from God. Well, we may not be perfect, but God has perfectly loved us. Mothers and parents, we have been given a special gift from God through our children. They were entrusted to us. And again, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on earth. If we trust the Lord, and we all should, we need to trust his word. And his word is telling us to obey our parents. And parents... We are told that our children are a blessing from God that we need to take care of them with our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight, and we thank you for the stories and the, the life of Ruth and Naomi. Father, we ask for your help, Lord God, that we parents will seek you first, Lord God, your kingdom and your righteousness in order for us to be able to communicate this to our children and to live it out ourselves, Lord. I pray, Father God, for your help. I pray for help for all broken relationships, Lord God, that are here tonight. Restore them, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for the children who have issues with their parents and vice versa, Lord God, parents with their children. I pray, Father God, that uh, if they claim that they believe in you, I pray that they will restore their relationship with love for you first and then for each other. I pray, Father God, for peace in everyone's household. And I pray, Lord God, for health for everyone's life, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that our love for you will continue to grow and our faith with you, Lord God, will continue to show to the dying world that you have surrounded us with. Father, help us, Lord God, to live out this truth. Guide us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.